I want to start off today um, in Matthew 25, 14 through 30. It's a little long, but bear with me because um, God says this is what the kingdom of God is like. And really, we can learn from this passage about being thankful and about uh, having a heart of gratitude and allowing that to put our full 110% into whatever God has given us. We got Camilo and Megan in the house today. All the way from Miami. Y'all are looking good. We got a Miami crew in here. I like it. Awesome. Let's read that. Y'all are looking good. You're welcome. <laughs> I got happy when I saw you, Camilo. Your, your smile that does something to me. I'm not sure what it is. You know how some people just make you laugh, like in a good way, like smile? Thanks for coming. You came for me. I appreciate that. Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by a story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants and entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and one bag of silver to the last, dividing its proportion to their abilities, say abilities. He then left on his trip. The servant who received the five bags of silver began to invest the money and earn five more. That's a good day. The servant with the two bags of silver also went to work and earned two more. But the servant who received the one bag of silver dug a hole in the ground and hid, say hid, the master's money. After a long time, their master returned from his trip and called them to give an account of how they had used his money. The servant who he entrusted the five bags came forward and said, I have five more. And he said, Master, you gave me five silver to invest and I have earned five more. The master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Say that with me. Well done, my good and faithful servant. When we get to heaven, God is going to say, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. How many of you want to celebrate with what God's given us? The servant who had received the two bags of silver came forward and said, Master, you gave me two bags of silver to invest, and I have earned two more. The master said, well done, my good and faithful servant. You have been faithful in handling the small amount, so now I'll give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. Then the servant with the one bag of silver came and said, Master, I knew. I want you to underline that word, knew. I knew you were a harsh man, harvesting crops you didn't plant, and gathering crops you did not cultivate. I was afraid. I want you to circle that word, afraid. I was afraid I would lose your money. So I hid it in the earth. Look, here's your money back. 
But the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant, if you had knew that I harvested crops and didn't plant and gathered crops that I didn't cultivate, why didn't you deposit my money in the bank? At least I could have gotten some interest on it. Then he ordered, take the money from the servant and give it to the one with the ten bags of silver. To those who use well what they are given, even more will be given, and they will have an abundance. But from those who do nothing, even what little they have will be taken away. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And this is what the scripture really shows us. We have two servants that were thankful, two servants that were thankful for what they were given, and they showed their gratitude, and one that had so many arguments, he could not be thankful, and he could not invest and please the master. You know, thanksgiving could be defined as expressing your gratitude, expressing your gratitude. And really, it's a challenge for us to be thankful when we're asked to do things we don't want to do. Or it's a challenge for us to be thankful when we're going through things that aren't very pleasant. Am I right about it? I mean, it's easy to be thankful when everything's going good. Am I right? It's easy to be thankful. But let's look at what 1 Thessalonians says, 5, 16 through 18. It says this. It does say something. I'm going to read it. Always be joyful. Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances. Be thankful in all circumstances. For this is God's will for you who belong to Jesus. This is what God says his will is. To always be thankful. Now, I don't know about you, but I can struggle with this. Are y'all with me here? You can, do y'all you, you ever struggle with this? I mean, this is a thing like it's easier said than done when things aren't going your way to be thankful anyway. This is the challenge that God has given us, and this is what God really expects from us, really to be thankful in bad circumstances you have to have a certain perception. To be thankful in hard times or be thankful during times when um, it's just difficult, you have to have a certain perception. How many of you know that there's blessing and favor and increase for those that are thankful? In this scripture, they said, let's celebrate. I'm going to bless you with more. He said, I, I'm, I'm happy. I want to bless you. We're going to celebrate. Here's more responsibilities. God blesses those that are thankful for what they have. You can tell when people are thankful for what they have because they give everything to it, right? And that's what I want to talk today about. I want to talk today about 
the thoughts that cause you to be thankful, even in hard times. These are things that has to be grounded in our hearts because our thankfulness brings us into blessing. Our thanksgiving brings favor to our lives. God says, hey, before you even come into my presence, I want you to give me thanks because I enjoy someone with a thankful heart. And so we find favor in those that are thankful. Don't you love being around a thankful person? Or do you like to be around negative people? <laughs> you can have a good day and then somebody's like Mr. Mr. or uh, Mrs. Negative and it just throws everything off, right? But when you're thankful, somebody that always gives praise and always sees the good in circumstances, there's favor on their life. It's something about them. They change the atmosphere. How many of you know that God wants us to change the atmosphere? We're not called to just be tossed by the winds, but we're called to stand and change the atmosphere by our thanksgiving and our praise. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you today that you're going to speak to us. Lord, begin to reveal to us who you are and your will. Change us, Lord, by your blood. Change our nature so that we'll have a nature of thanksgiving and we'll have a nature of praise God. We thank you that you're doing this by your power and the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody says, amen. Amen. I want to give you three thoughts that produce thanksgiving. Three thoughts that produce thanksgiving. Now, the first is this. This is a thought that we must have and it must be grounded in our hearts. Notice that the first guy or the guy that the master was not pleased with, he said this, I knew you were a harsh man. I knew. I knew you were a harsh man. He didn't really know, but this was the guy's problem. He was a little arrogant. This is the guy's problem. He was a little arrogant. Have you ever seen people that act like they know about stuff and they don't really know? You know, like the, the guy that's like getting on to the coach <laughs> on the football team. You never played football a day in your life, but you know what the coach should do. You know that he should be playing this play and doing it. And you're like, hey, you, didn't even, you didn't even play football. It's just this, um, this thing that will keep you from really being a thankful person is this thing called pride. Am I right about it? Pride will keep you from being a thankful person. And we have to have this declaration or this thought in our lives that I increase when I decrease. See, this guy didn't want to be told what to do. Am I right about it? This guy was like, listen, I know that you want me to, to uh, invest, but don't tell me what to do. Don't mess up my thing. Don't mess up my thing. Hey, things are going good when everything's going your way, right? But, and, and you say, God, use me. And then God can tend to interrupt things. You know, God's good at that. God's good at interrupting your thing. See, as Americans, we like our thing. We like to get everything straight, settled, planned out. And that's good. We should plan. That's a good thing to do. But, but we like our thing, and, and we want to do our thing and put God on top of it and say, God, don't mess up my thing. Don't mess up my thing because don't ask me to do something that I really don't want to do or, or you know, I'm going to just kind of do what I want to do and put God on it and say it's God's will. Because, because arrogance, pride, see, God can only use broken vessels. God can only use people that say, you know what, I don't want to do this, 
but I'm going to be thankful and do it because it's your will. This guy, the reason why he did not get the, the master's blessing was because he was just stubborn. So I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. You're telling me to do something, but I don't want to do it. Isn't this the biggest problem you have with children when they grow up? This is the biggest thing. Like, uh, they just want their whole world to just do what they want to do. I understand that. They're, the first words you hear are not yes out of kids. They don't come out of the womb in a few months. You talk to them, they're like, yes. No, they say no. No, I'm not going to do that. That's like their favorite word. No. Because we have a will, and our will has to line up with God's will. And we have to get used to God sometimes interrupting what we want to do. Sometimes we have to allow God to interrupt our thing. You know, when Jesus came into the cemetery, they had a, a man that was demon-possessed. And the Bible says that he was just tearing everything up. Nobody can chain him down. You know, the first thing that the guy had a problem with when Jesus came into the cemetery, you know the first thing that he said? He said, Jesus, why are you interfering with me? Why are you messing up my deal? This is what the enemy likes to do in us, gives us strongholds, and we're like, no, I want my thing my way, how I like it, and if anything changes, I'm going to pout about it. And we, we still expect to get blessed. Am I right about it? It is easy to be thankful when you're just doing what you want to do, but when God begins to put his finger on something and say, no, 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 I need you to change that. See, we don't like change too much. Normal people don't really like change. We like consistency, but sometimes God will just flip your thing around. And that's why when we gave our lives to God, we didn't say, God, just save us, but we said, God, you're our Lord. And a lot of times in our lives, we say, you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do my own thing. Nobody can tell me anything. This is difficult, man. This is where the rubber meets the road. It, it is when your boss comes and tells you something you don't want to hear. Your husband has an idea of, of something that he heard from God. I don't want to do that. No, I'm not going to. I'm, I'm, do you see what I'm saying? Resistance and pride is a part of nature. It's a part of saying, you know, I think that you're kind of holding out. And this is, this is the nature we see in the garden. The nature in the garden with Adam and Eve, it started with them not really wanting to do what God asked them to do. Have you ever had this problem before? Have you ever felt like just um, this start to creep up in your life? This is when Christianity gets real. Am I right about it? See, because those that... Uh, are not content. Those that are not content, they want their thing and not God's thing. You know, sometimes God's thing is different from the thing that we want. Am I right about it? I knew this wouldn't get many amens. God's thing is sometimes the thing that we don't want. But those that have in their heart, when I, de when I decrease... I increase. 
When I decrease, when my pride decreases, God increases me. See, when I do what God tells me to do, even when I don't want to do it, there is another level of anointing that comes on my life. Am I right about it? So, I, you know, I don't feel like doing this or that, and I know God's telling me to do that, and, and I can re- resist it, but you are skipping out on God's anointing and best for your life. And so we can have this, um, we can have this thing like I'm good as long as I'm comfortable, right? I'm good as long as I'm comfortable. And, and, and we can try to hold on to our thing so much that we can get outside of the very will of God. We can try to hold on to our thing. What does the Bible say? If you try to keep your life, you're going to lose it. But if you give your life away, you're going to gain it. And really, to be able to live in the kingdom, sometimes it is knowing that I obey even when I don't want to obey because that's where the blessing is. And I'm thankful because although it's a challenge, I know that the blessing's on the, other, on the other side. Some people stay in the same place in Christianity for their whole lives because they haven't gotten this one thing down. When I decrease, I increase. When I decrease, see, when Jesus, think about this. Jesus is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he died in between two thieves, and stripped naked for us. He laid his very life down. What happened? God honored him. He got put at the right hand of the Father. If you want honor in your life, then you have to begin to be a person of obedience. Am I right about it? And, and sometimes God will, will mess things up. And if you have to fight for your thing, if you have to fight for the thing that you want and not what God wants, the end is very lonely. The end is agony. See, because we, are, we get in the blessing and protection when we begin to say, God, not my will, but your will be done. We get into blessing and protection when we say not what we want, but what he wants. Am I right about it? There's a story of David and Absalom in the Bible. Absalom was a guy that wanted his thing. He wanted his thing. He wanted it his way. See, Absalom wasn't content with what he had. Absalom wasn't content with who he was. He wanted a position and a thing that God didn't even have for him. Sometimes we dream for things for wrong reasons. Am I right about it? Sometimes we can believe for things for wrong, wrong reasons. And, and, and the truth is, Absalom began to get arguments with David. David was the king. And Absalom wanted to begin to promote himself and begin to get a big head and begin to uh, want. He was not content. How many of you know that contentment is godliness? Isn't this difficult, though? Because we believe it for things. We have faith. We have faith, and we want things. But then God says, be content with what you got. It seems like a battle sometimes. Because 
God wants you to be thankful for what you have and the place that God has given you and be faithful with that, then he's going to bring you to another level. How do you become faithful with that? You become obedient. Who is the, the employee that gets the, that, that gets the promotion? It's those that say, all right, I'll do it. But not only I'll do it, I'll do it with a good attitude. Isn't that the thing that you got to teach your kids the most? Clean your room. And they're like, they'll go do it, but they might stomp up the stairs. You know what I'm saying? You're like, hey, no, you can't, you can't do that. you got to do it with a good attitude. That, that is the secret to learn to begin to do things that we don't want to do with a good attitude. Am I right about it? I mean, the Bible says the very first, the first main promise in the Bible is that those that honor their father and mother, that they'll have a long life. Don't we see a contrast of this in our world today? I mean, the thing that I've heard most lately in the news and all that is the word anarchy. Am I right? People, uh, people are like, they, they don't get their way, and so they're going to destroy things. They're going to throw a, a temper tantrum, right? Uh, how many of you know that that's not of God? Now, I believe in protests. I believe if you, you believe for something, you have the right to, but you shouldn't be blowing up buildings. You shouldn't be like spray painting stuff. There's this word anarchy that really shows a sign of the end times, and it is nobody's going to tell me what to do. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. The authority, you're not going to tell me what to do. And I'm going to have an attitude about the authority in my life. See, this is where rebellion comes and gets us out of the plan of God. See, Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. Man, what a huge decision in the garden to go to the cross. See, sometimes God will ask you to do things you don't want to do. But when you say, God, not my will, but your will, there's a blessing. How many of you know that we need a different spirit than the spirit of the age? The spirit of the age is, you know what, if you're in authority, I don't like you. If you try to tell me what to do, I'm going to rebel. That's the spirit of the age. How many of you know that the church has to be the reciprocal of that spirit? The church has to be the opposite of that spirit. You know, the Bible is very clear to honor how many of you want to be people of honor? And there is blessing and there's safety and there's protection in having that heart of honor. And so this is how we stay thankful in difficult times because we have this thought. When I decrease, I increase. Even when things don't go my way, I'm increasing God is, he is causing blessing to come on my life. That story of, of Absalom, the Bible says that he was a good-looking guy. You know, guys never admit it if other people are good-looking. Leo always say, you think that's a good-looking guy? I was like, I don't know, yeah, I guess. <laughs> you know, but the Bible is very clear. I, I don't know, back, back then if you had really long hair, I guess you were good-looking, you know, uh, but this guy had long hair, and the Bible says he was the, the best-looking guy in the, in the land. And he, he let his arrogance get himself in the way of the plan of God for his life. He was a little too big for his britches. See, because this is how the enemy works. 
When there's authority in your life, what do you do? What do you say? When you don't want to listen, this is the progression. Number one, I don't want to do what you say. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to find a fault in you. I'm going to find a fault in you, and I'm going to begin to put myself in your place. This is what the enemy did, right? This is what Lucifer did, right? We read it in the Bible where he says, you know, where you're sitting, I could be sitting. See, the thing is, when you are not content in your position and being a person of obedience, you'll get outside of the plan of God in your life. Because I'm going to do things my way and how I want to do it. This is brokenness. God can only use broken vessels. God can only use broken vessels. So what do we do? We try to tag somebody and say, ah, you know, I don't really like this. And we harp on the negative things or critical things with people in our lives. This happens in marriages all the time. So now that, now that I am critical, now I'm elevating myself, and this is how I think I should do it. If you had the right answer on what you should do, you would be in that position. And I'm saying this because this applies to teachers this applies to bosses. This applies to pastors. This applies to leaders. Everything's good unless something doesn't go my way. And see, contentment is godly gain. It means that God begins to give you uh, character in who you are. See, you should not, you shouldn't have to feel like you have to move yourself higher in life. God does that. And he's not going to do it. He's not going to do it by you putting other people down. He's not going to do it by thinking you know it all. He's going to do it because he sees a humble heart. He's going to begin to bless your life. He cannot bless pride. The Bible says in Proverbs that it's the one thing that God really despises, pride. You know, Pride comes up a lot of times because some of us can be insecure. If you have to put down on people and be negative with people, it might be because you don't, you're not content with who you are and where you are in life. But when you know your place, you need to shine in your place. And you're not going to shine in your place because you want a better place. You're going to shine in your place because you want to glorify God. Because God's going to bless you. And he's going to begin to pour out his blessings on you. Why? Because I found my place and I'm going to be a person of honor. Are you the employee that you would like to have? Right? Are you, are you the student if you were a teacher that you would like to have. You know, it's very, uh, Allie said the other day, you know, she was talking about uh, her teacher. Her teacher's just harsh, you know, and uh, she's really not. I could tell that Allie was just hanging out with other kids, and they were just saying it. And so then she started saying, I was like, uh-uh, you can't talk like that about your teacher. You have to honor your teacher. See, a lot of times if you get around people that are negative about authority and people, it starts to rub off on you. They don't even have to say anything. It's an attitude. Attitudes can rub off on you. So stay away from people with attitudes because it's like a disease. 
It's like a disease. Negativity crawls in like a disease, uh, this pride. It's like a disease. It rubs off and it begins to corrupt and it begins to break down. See, the kingdom of God cannot even move forward unless we're people of honor. God wants to build an army, not a babysitting club. Paul said, hey, listen, I want you to look at the soldier. Look at the farmer. Look at these guys. He said, look at the soldier. I've never seen a soldier just say, "Mm, I don't care. I'm not doing that. How are we going to win unless we're people of honor? How are we going to win? And see, you reproduce who you are. How many of you want to begin to produce in our children and in our generations people of honor? That stand for honor and say, listen, it might not be easy, but I know that when I become obedient, I get blessed. See, a lot of people aren't obedient because they're, they're, scared, they're scared of, uh, like, with your boss. You know, if your boss says, you know, I want you to do something, uh, and, and you don't really, really think it's the right idea. You think it's going to mess you up and ruin your life. Listen, God turns the hearts of kings. So when you're obedient, it doesn't even, it, it, when you're obedient, God sees it and blesses you. He'll put people out of the way and still bless you. He's just looking for somebody that has a, a heart, a nature of honor, of humility. Are you a person of humility? Are you like that, that horse that nobody wants to ride? I'm scared to death of horses, man. I was like, I, was like, I think 10 or 11, I got on a horse, and it, it just would not stop. I mean, this thing is a big animal, and I was not looking graceful. You know what I mean? I was, like, bouncing like that. I looked like a, a city guy, and I was just thinking of, like, uh, I thought I was going to die. Nobody wants to ride a horse like that. A horse has to be broken in order for it to really be ridden. And God is not going to use you in the capacity that you want to be used unless you're broken. So he has a little bit, and he says, go this way. And you're like, yeah. See, when you're obedient, when you're obedient, that's when miracles happen. When you're obedient, that's when God moves. And so you begin to get addicted to it. You begin to get, you know, like maybe this uh, isn't easy, but I know that if I'm told to do it and I do it, I'm going to get blessed. Miracles are going to happen. God's going to begin to break out. Because when I decrease, I increase. Come on, I'm speaking to somebody today. When I decrease, I increase. And so in our lives, we have to learn to enjoy being obedient, to be thankful and obedience. You can't mess up a person like that. See, when you know you're being obedient, you know you're in the perfect plan of God, nothing can mess you up. You have a thankful, these are people that are always thankful when they're like, listen, I can't lose because I'm being obedient. And God sees my obedience. Amen? Number two is this. Number two, I'm blessed when I believe the best. What did this guy say? He said, listen, you come in and you're gathering crops and you're, you're, you're gathering things that you didn't even work for. You didn't even work for these things. See, this is... This is fear in somebody. That why am I going to serve? I'm not going to get anything out of it. 
Well, I'm going to help. I'm not going to get anything out of it. I'm going to work so much, and what is it really going to get me? Am I going to? It's really a fear is thinking the worst about your future, the worst and what's going to happen. Do you think about the worst of what's going to happen? Do you always think of your teacher and your boss always suspicious of them? <laughs> like they're not thinking of your best interest, it doesn't really matter what they think. How many of you know that if you are a person of faith, all you got to do is pray. You don't have to worry. All you got to do is pray, and God begins to move things. Quit worrying about your future. Quit worrying about, well, what if he makes a decision or they make a decision or my teacher tells me to do What if, what if, what? And, but, and we live in a, a world of fear instead of being faithful. What did, see, what did, he, what did he say? He said, be a good and faithful servant. See, these are the elements of people that, are, that have gratitude with what God has given. See, good is people that are obedient. When you say that's a good boy, it means that he obeys, right? Good is for somebody that's obedient. Faithful is someone that is full of faith. What are you full of? See, you won't have really great thanksgiving in your life unless you're full of thanks. You can't have just a couple of elements of arguments in your life and expect to be in a place of thanksgiving. Am I right about it? Are you full of thanks? See, we got to be full of what God is asking us to be full of, not our own arguments. Am I right about it? And so in, in our life, we have to know that I'm blessed when I believe the best. See, the master called the grateful worker faithful. Are you faithful? This is the faith that you started out with. Remember when you got saved, you are excited? When you first got saved? This is full of faith. Man, people that are full of faith, they're faithful, they're full of faith. You notice they're thankful. Because, because when they're looking at the future, when they're looking at the future, they're not worrying. They're not worrying. They know that God has got this thing. See, I'm blessed when I believe the best. Even when I'm going through hard circumstances, you begin to believe what God has for you in the, uh, down the road. And if you're worried about it, see, what does the Bible say? Be anxious for nothing and everything with prayer, supplication, and thanksgiving. What does God do? When you begin to get thankful and you pray, then God begins to guard your heart and your mind. See, some of you are so worried about the direction you're going in life. Listen, and, and, the, and the plans that uh, other people might do that affect you. Listen, you got to be faithful. Believe the best. Do you believe the best in people? Or do you always think the worst? How many of you want to believe the best in people? I love being around people that believe the best in people. Are you a person that marks people? Are you a person that believes the best? How about we be faithful? What would happen if we showed, all showed up in church today believing for a miracle? I think that would be faithful. If we believe for God to touch our life. If we went to work believing that God's going to give you favor. If you went to your house believing that your children are going to act a certain way. But fear will cause you to begin to act a certain way that your worst nightmare begins to happen. What is your fear? you got to get rid of fear. People that are fearful are not thankful. People that are fearful are not thankful. 
For example, let me give you an example. Somebody that deals with suspicion. If you're in a marriage and you deal with suspicion, this is how the enemy works. If you're suspicious of your spouse, then, then you can start to get mad at them when they're not even doing anything. I've counseled people before, and they were like, well, I, I'm, I'm for sure that they're doing something wrong. And so they start acting like they're doing something wrong, and they're not doing anything wrong. And they actually cause what they feared to actually happen because they don't talk to them, and they're separated. And, they're, and, and what they fear actually happens. Pastor Paul said fear is false evidence appearing real. Don't be a person of fear. Be a person of faith. Begin to stand on the word of God and begin to declare his word, and that's what's going to come after you. How many of you know that you are blessed when you begin to believe the best? You begin, ble- you begin to get blessed when you believe the best. we got to get fear out of our lives and become faithful. Faithful. You know, our pastor always says, faithful, faithful, faithful fruitful. When you go to your life group, you say, you know, it's just going to be the same people over there over and over again. No, no, no. Begin to have faith. Begin to have faith. Be faithful. I can get somebody to come and play. And this is the third thing. The third thing is this. I want to read this first. Matthew 6, 27, because I believe this is for somebody. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? No. Have you ever went through something and thought, man, I should have really worried about that more? No. Man, I really, I, I should have thought about it more, worried about had more fear. It's not going to change anything. It's not going to change. Why worry? Why worry? Some of you, I feel like there are worries in your life, and God wants you to give it to him. It's stealing It's stealing joy from your life. And for you to be thankful, things can be going good in your life, but that one thing, that one fear is tripping you all up. Come on, God wants to begin to get the fear out of your life so that you are faithful, so that you are faithful. Good and faithful servant. Obedient, faithful servant, which brings me to my my third point. I gain when I give. I gain when I give. You will notice that thankful people are givers. Thankful people are givers. See what the other guy said. He said, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just hide what I can give. I'm going to hide what I can give. The other people said, I'm going to invest and I'm going to give my best. I gain when I give. The master called the grateful worker a servant. You're either a giver or a taker. You're either a giver or you're, ta- you're a taker. See, the Bible says, if you, we all hear the scripture. If you give, then God's going to give it back to you. Not only that, but pressed down, shaken together, running over. You ever seen a garbage disposal? that like presses all the the stuff down, makes more room. See, when you give, you allow more room in your life to get blessed. Press down, shaking together, running over. See, when you're running over, nothing can stop you. Have you ever seen a volcano erupt? Nothing's stopping it. 
When, you, when something's running over, you can't stop. You ever shook up a, you know, a carbonated drink and just explode? You're not stopping that thing. When you're a giver, you can't be stopped. You get this room for more, and God begins to pour out. Are you a servant, or are you selfish? I believe this is addressing the spirit of the age, where we say, what can I get and not what can I give? Wanting to get something for nothing instead of giving your life away because it's how God begins to promote you and elevate you and begins to show you who you really are. If you're in life right now and you don't know what you're doing in life, you feel like you don't know what function God has for you, I want to encourage you to begin to serve because God will begin to put you on the right path. Jesus said, Jesus, the king, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve. Let me ask you, when you go to life group and you see your leader, are you thinking he's there for you or you're there for him or her? When you go to work, do you think your boss is there for you or you're there for him? See, because people with a poverty spirit always think people are there for them. But people that have the blessing in their life, they always think, I'm here for them. I'm here to serve. I'm here to serve, not be served. I'm here to serve. See, when you begin to serve, God begins to do a work. What would happen if we all served each other? What would happen if we served each other and we said our life, our life is to serve? I believe that you would see a difference in your life. See, Judas was a person that was in charge of the finances, and he began to get critical, and he began to think, you know what? The treasury actually owes me money. See, somebody with a poverty spirit thinks that people owe them something. How many of you know that Jesus doesn't owe you anything? The government doesn't owe you anything? Nobody owes you anything. We are so thankful that Jesus laid down his life and served us that we want to serve others. Listen, what's going to change an area? Not somebody that just wants to get and take. What's going to change is people serving them. When you serve somebody, they'll begin to see your heart. If you want to win somebody to God, serve them. Serve them. See, Judah said, what can I what can I get? See, sellouts always say, what can I get? But those that are faithful, they say, what can I give? Because I see the blessing in my giving. I see the blessing in my giving. Like Josh was saying, you can't outgive God. You can't outgive God. When's the last time you gave something that hurt? When's the last time you gave something that hurt? Or is it all about you? Or maybe one day you'll be able to give when you get X amount or, or you'll be able to give your time when this happens or that happens. No, the time God wants you to give is the time that seems the most inconvenient because God wants to see our heart and say, are you here for me? Or am I just a Santa Claus to you? Is God just a Santa Claus? What can I get from God? What would happen if we didn't come to church and say, well, you know, I, I hope I get encouraged today. I hope they do a good job in worship today because I, really I, I really need it. What would happen if we actually say, man, what can I do at church today? 
How can I serve today? How can I encourage somebody today? How can I help somebody today? Because this is how I get my joy. This is how I get blessed. It happens in helping. It's the nature of Jesus. Jesus, before he went away, he didn't say, you know what? It's all about me. Before he went away, he went and he did the servant's job and washed feet. Feet stink. Sometimes serving isn't pretty. Sometimes serving isn't like, oh, this is, a, a, you know, I only want to serve in the glorious areas. Good luck. Serving. Serving is what brings life to you. You know, if you go out to eat with somebody and they always want you to pay the bill, <laughs> he's feeling that. <laughs> Somebody's been mooching off of him. <laughs> Do you want to be around people that are givers? Listen, I want to challenge you. Bless somebody today. On Thanksgiving, how about we make a, a three-day resolution that, that the first day I'm going to find a way to be extra obedient. I'm going to find a way. I'm going to say, what can I do? Come on, I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to be a servant. See, a servant says, what can I do? How can I help? And if you don't find, if you, nobody shows you how to help, you're, you're finding a way to help. <laughs> I love what Madonna said. I think she should write a book about it. Somebody, the ACs went off in the, the building one day and and, you know, that was a bad day because it's hot. It was in the middle of the summer. And this, this girl came, and well, I'm, I'm sorry if you're here. I don't know who it was. Uh, this girl came to Ms. Donna and said, you know what? They should, really, they should really get some cold waters and pass them out. And she said, honey, we are they. And she said, oh. So, in other words, not what everybody else can do for us. How can I serve? What can I do? Come on, if somebody did something for you, what would your life be like if you just did for others what everybody did for you? We would be busy. We would be busy. That's why I love when David said, I'm going to record and think about all the things you've done for me, God. We serve because we're thankful. We're obedient because we're thankful. We're faithful because we're thankful. There's this guy, this is the last thing I'm going to say, but there's this guy that used to work here. He, he served. He served, but he started to get critical. And he worked, he actually did, you know, you know the, the speakers and all this kind of stuff. And We noticed that things like started to end up missing. <laughs> I know. <laughs> we started no, noticing things are like adding up and years and years go by come to find out this guy you know he's driving nice cars <laughs> they're like man I don't even, you don't even have a job how do you have a nice he, you know he's going on vacations I'm like man he got blessed somehow I'm excited for him come to find out he stole like forty thousand dollars worth of stuff from the church he started out with a good heart and he wanted to serve but then he started saying you know what they really owe me See, we don't serve for people. We serve for God. 
We don't serve to please people. We serve to please God. It does take some humility. I heard somebody say in a song, if you think being meek is weak, try it for a week. Try it out. Try to do, try to be meek and humble for one whole week. It's not that easy. We have to have the nature, we have to have the nature of Jesus that laid his life down. Come on, am I right about it? You know, this guy, the reason why I was saying this, this guy, I heard recently that he was in a partnership and he lost everything because somebody stole from him. I know, I kind of laughed too when I heard it, be honest. See, because you reap what you sow. You reap what you sow. Are you sowing? Are you sowing seeds of thanksgiving and sowing seeds of being a servant? Are you sowing seeds of selfishness? What can I get out of this? How many of you want to sow seeds of faith? God promises when we sow seeds of faith that it's going to produce a harvest. And I believe that in this Thanksgiving season, it's not about all the stuff that we have to do, but it's how we can serve and how we can be obedient and how we can be faithful. Amen? Let's not get tripped up on what this holiday is about. Let's step back and see all that God's done for us. See, the Bible says, and I'm going to close, I promise. The Bible says that when Jesus was in the garden, he sweat, when he sweat, it was drops of blood. The Bible says that he was in agony. See, this is what unfaithfulness does to our lives. People that don't give, people that aren't faithful, people that aren't obedient. It produces agony in your life. But Jesus put agony on himself so that we don't have to live in agony. And at the cross, see, you might be, just say, listen, to be honest with you, I'm just a selfish person. I'm a prideful person. To be honest with you, this, this means you need the nature of Jesus. You can't do this on your own. And we get this nature by going to that place where Jesus was in the garden and say, God, I need this nature in my life. It's a nature of unity. It's a nature of humility. It's a nature of obedience.